This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends. As is the new custom, I'm dedicating this episode to the success of our soldiers, wherever they are, to the returning of all the hostages, whole and complete, the refuash of everybody who's injured or sick, the comforting of those families that need to be comforted, and that Hashem please help our leaders to have the strength to make the right decisions in such a difficult time. This is a story that took place over 150 years ago in Russia. And there was a rabbi who was a chassid of the Midler Rebbe, Rabbi Dovber, who was the son of the Alter Rebbe, and eventually his successor, the second Lubavitcher Rebbe. And of course, he was named after the Magid of Mezrich, whose name was Dovber. And so this Talmid Chacham, this rabbi, his name was Rabbi Yosef, and he was a very talented scholar. He had a photographic memory, and he had memorized both the Babylonian and Jerusalem versions of the Talmud as well as the Shulchan Aruch, Kabbalah, and many other holy books. And this Rabbi Yosef was applying to be the rabbi in several large cities, and he had several job offers. But being a chassid of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Midler Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef first went to ask for advice and a blessing. And when he told the Rebbe that he was applying for jobs as a rabbi, that he even had some offers already, and what did the Rebbe think? The Rebbe was not so happy. And the Rebbe looks up at his desk to Rabbi Yosef and he says, Rabbi Yosef, despite all of the offers for you to be a rabbi in different communities, it's better for you to be a wagon driver. And the rabbi was taken aback. Did he understand the Rebbe properly? A wagon driver? That wasn't an easy job and it certainly wasn't a job for a scholar like him. He went back home, took him two days to get home. And when he arrived at home, his wife said, No, Yosef. How was it by the Rebbe? And he said, the Rebbe told me not to take any jobs as a rabbi, but to become a wagon driver. And so Rabbi Yosef's wife said to him, well, if that's the case, you better go down to the wagon drivers and ask their advice. And Rabbi Yosef says, their advice on what? And she said, well, of course you're going to need to know how much money it costs to buy a wagon and how long it's going to take you to learn to be a wagon driver. And Rabbi Yosef said, you're joking, right? The Rebbe didn't really mean for me to be a wagon driver. Maybe it was some parable for something. But I can't be a wagon driver. I'm a scholar. And Rabbi Yosef's wife said, Listen, the Rebbe doesn't make mistakes. If the Rebbe told you to be a wagon driver, then my husband's going to be a wagon driver. But Rabbi Yosef wasn't interested in the Rebbe's advice and his wife bothering him. So he took out a Sefer, he took out a Talmud and started learning. And about a month later, a group of distinguished-looking Jews knocked on the rabbi's door. They were dressed in fancy clothes, and they offered the rabbi to officially be the rabbi of the city of Minsk, which was a very prestigious position. It came with a house and a salary, and he could sit and learn and teach all that he wanted. And the rabbi thanked the delegation, and he said, please let me consider it and I'll get back to you. But the rabbi's wife looked at him, and she said, what kind of chassid are you? The Rebbe tells you something, and you ignore it? 
So the next morning, Rabbi Yosef he puts on his coat and his boots, and he goes down to the stables where all the drivers were. And at first they thought he was a customer. Everybody's asking him, where is he going? What does he need? But when he told them that he wanted to become a wagon driver, they thought he was joking. There was no way that somebody looking like him would be a wagon driver. But when they saw that Rabbi Yosef was serious and he wasn't crazy, one of the older drivers agreed to show him around. He brought him over to his wagon and he started explaining the different parts of the wagon and how they worked. And the rabbi began to understand that this was a very difficult and even dangerous job. Of course, it wasn't a job for wearing a fur coat and leather boots in because he was going to be full of mud and dirt and grease from greasing the axles. And after he got the full tour of the wagon and how much it would cost and what he needed to learn, he came back home and told his wife, we can't afford a horse and wagon anyhow, and that's it. I'm going to take the job as the rabbi of Minsk. What do I need to suffer being a wagon driver? We can't even afford it. And here we're going to get a house and a salary and I'll be able to sit and learn and teach. And Rabbi Yosef's wife says, Yosef, what kind of chassid are you? The Rebbe wants you to be a wagon driver. I'll sell all of my jewelry and I'll sell our silver Shabbos candlesticks and we'll buy a horse and wagon and you will be a Hasidic wagon driver like the Rebbe wants you to be. And so the next day, they sold all their jewelry, they sold the candlesticks and he bought a wagon and two horses and hired a driver to teach him how to be a wagon driver. It took two months to learn the trade then Rabbi Yosef was there in the stables taking jobs just like all of the other drivers. And he tried to be as happy as he could. He tried to take care of his horses and his carriage. And the other drivers were very nice to him. And they helped him out and even gave him the easiest trips. But it wasn't easy. Because really the rabbi wanted to be sitting and learning or teaching or taking such a prestigious job as being the rabbi of Minsk. And here he was a low wagon driver, dirty, covered in mud. Every night he came home, his back hurt, his feet hurt, his arms hurt. He was pretty miserable. But one thing that he had was his learning. Whenever there was a moment, he would recite the Talmud that he knew by heart. And every morning he promised himself he would spend a full hour davening before he even showed up to work. But nonetheless, he felt like he wasn't really doing what he's supposed to be doing in life. Hashem had given him such a gift to learn and to teach and to guide fellow Jews. And here, he's a simple wagon driver. And one cold winter morning, as he's feeding his horses and getting their wagon ready for the day's work, a wealthy-looking Gentile businessman comes into the stables and goes straight over to Rabbi Yosef and says, I'd like you to take me to Petersburg. And Rabbi Yosef knew the distances. He told the wealthy Gentile, it's going to take us two days, and I'm happy to take you, but I have to tell you that I don't leave at the crack of dawn like the other drivers. I'm a Jew that believes in a Kadosh Baruch Hu, in God, and every morning I have to pray for one full hour before I even touch the wagon. And the businessman said, that's fine with me. Maybe on the second day I'll find another driver. The main thing is that we leave immediately. I have all my bags here. Please put them in the wagon and we have to get going. And so Rabbi Yosef hitched up the horses, put the bags in the wagon, and within 15 minutes they were on their way. And as the rabbi is driving on a lonely road, 
far out of town, with nothing around. The businessman had fallen asleep. The rabbi's thinking to himself, look at what's become of me. I could have been a great rabbi. I could have been the leader of a community. I would have had a house and a salary. And now all day I have to look at the back of these two horses, and I'm carrying some goy in the back of the wagon. What kind of life is this? And at night they had to stop at an inn, of course, because there were no street lights and there were thieves. And you couldn't drive at night. And before they went to sleep, the businessman paid Rabbi Yosef for the full day's journey. And he said he would ask around and see if he could find another driver that would drive him early in the morning. And so they shook hands and the innkeeper showed them to their rooms. And the Gentile businessman went to sleep and Rabbi Yosef woke up, as was his custom, at midnight to say the Tikkun Chatzot. A special prayer that said in the middle of the night, mourning the destruction of the holy temple. He got up, he washed his hands, and he started saying the special prayers. And his heart was broken, not just for the terrible exile of the Jewish people, but because of his own personal exile, that he wasn't fulfilling his purpose, the reason that God had created him. Instead, he was just a stupid wagon driver. Why did he have to be doing this? What kind of Rebbe makes me be a wagon driver? And he's crying out to Hashem, mixing his own emotions and his longing for the Beit HaMikdash, for the Holy Temple to be rebuilt. And when he finished saying Tikkun Chatzot, he opened up a volume of the Talmud that he always carried with him on trips and started learning. And as soon as the sun came up, he put on his tefillin and daven shachit, the morning prayer. And he davened with such passion and intention. And just as he's putting away his tefillin after davening, and was about to sit down and have something to eat, suddenly the door opens. And there stood his passenger, the Gentile businessman. It looked like he hadn't slept all night. And it was clear he'd been crying. And his clothes were not very orderly. And he cried. And he says to the rabbi, Rabbi, please, I want to. I have to. Please, rabbi. I have to put on your tefillin. Then he fell onto his knees and started crying uncontrollably. He said, please forgive me. Hashem, please forgive me. And then he collapsed on the floor. And his whole body was shaking and he was crying. And Rabbi Yosef is watching this. And he'd never seen anything like this in his life. What is this guy doing? This doesn't make any sense. And when finally the businessman calmed down, Rabbi Yosef explained to him, My sweetest friend, you are not a Jew, so you don't put on tefillin. And I don't know why you're so upset. What's going on? And the businessman said, But I am a Jew. I know I look like a goy, and I act like one, and I speak like one. But the night before, just as I was about to go to sleep, I heard you saying those special prayers at midnight. And at first, I was angry because it was bothering me and I couldn't fall asleep. And then I tried to ignore it but I couldn't ignore it. And then suddenly, something woke up inside of me. I remembered when I was a boy, my father used to say those prayers, also at midnight. But it had been such a long time. I had gone so far from Yiddishkeit, from being a Jew. But when I heard you say those words last night, Rabbi, my soul started screaming, You are a Jew. And the more I listened to you, Rabbi, the more I realized I had to put on your tefillin and I had to do tshuva and I had to repent and return to Hashem. Please, Rabbi, you have to help me. And two days later, they were standing in front of the Mittler Rebbe 
And Rabbi Yosef explained to the Mittler Rebbe that he took his advice. He became a wagon driver. And this was his customer because he was saying at Tikkun HaChatzot, the midnight prayers for the destruction of the temple. It awoke something within him. And at that point, the Midler Rebbe said, Rabbi Yosef, your time of being a wagon driver is over. That was the whole purpose of me asking you to give up being a rabbi in order to drive a wagon. And now that you've fulfilled your purpose, you're welcome to take any rabbinical position that you desire. And the previous Gentile, now Jewish businessman, is standing in front of the Rebbe. He says, Rebbe, please, you have to help me. How do I do tshuva? How do I come back to Judaism? And the Rebbe took him under his wing and helped him. And eventually, the Rebbe wrote a mimer called Pokeh Hivrim, which means opening a person's eyes. And this mimer was written in order to help the formerly Gentile businessman on his path back to Judaism. So you see, my sweetest friend, sometimes Hashem takes us to places that we don't know why. We can't understand it, but as the great Rebbe, Rabbi Nachman, says, Ha'isha Yisraeli, the Jewish person, and he uses the word Yisraeli, because the word Yisrael divided up is Lirosh, I have a brain, I have a head. He says, Ha'isha Yisraeli. Tzarich l'istaken b'sechel shen kol davar. Has to look at the intellect within everything, meaning that Hashem does everything for a reason, and sometimes we merit to see that reason. And in this case, Rabbi Yosef had the schut, had the merit, to see why the Rebbe asked him to do something that made no sense to him. And today we don't have Rebbe's like the Midler Rebbe. So instead, Hashem arranges things for us to be in a certain place at a certain time, to do something for someone, for someone to do it for us. And if we're fortunate enough, we merit to see the reason why. I la 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 I have one more short story for you. Reb Simcha Bunim once asked a question, how is it possible these days for a person to offer a sacrifice to a pagan god? And he answered his own question. He said if a person withholds themselves from eating because of anger, or if a person is considered to be a scholar or a tzaddik, and even though they're hungry, they don't eat because the people that are around that person think that he or she is so saintly and such a great tzaddik that of course they wouldn't be eating. If that's the reason that a person fasts, that's like offering a sacrifice to a pagan god. And then he told a little story. And he said, once somebody came to Reb Simcha Bunim with the problem. This person said to Reb Simcha, it says in the holy books in the Sfarim that if a person fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, then Eliyahu Navi, the prophet Elijah, will reveal himself to this person. And Reb Simcha Bunim said, okay. And this person says to the Rebbe, well, I fasted for the days that were required, and no one appeared, not a single soul. So the Rebbe, Reb Simcha Bunim, he said, let me tell you a story. The Baal Shem Tov once had to make a long journey. And as you know, the way the Baal Shem Tov traveled, he knew the secret of Kfitzat Aderech, of shortening distances. And so the whole highway that he would travel on used to miraculously contract. And the horses and the wagon were just there for show. Now these horses had drawn other people's wagons, and they were used to getting fed fodder and water every time they got to a village. 
But now that they were driving the Baal Shem Tov's wagon, and they were covering enormous distances miraculously, they felt like they were flying from one place to the other, and there was no need to rest at the usual stops like they normally did. And of course, they were traveling so fast, no one stopped to feed them. So the horses started philosophizing. One horse says to the other, You know what? Maybe we're not actually horses. Maybe we're really people. And when we arrive at night in some town where people are actually eating, then they'll feed us. But when they saw that even when they passed by places where the people usually ate, and they didn't stop to rest, and they weren't fed, the horses realized that they had made a mistake. They weren't horses, and they weren't people. They were actually angels, because angels don't eat or drink. And since here they are traveling enormous distances, and they're not stopping to eat or drink, obviously, they're angels. And after a certain amount of time, the Baal Shem Tov and his horses and wagon arrived at their destination, and the horses were led to the stable, where there was food that was placed under their noses. And they started eating it like real horses eat food. And so, Reb Simcha Bonim said to this person who was asking about fasting, and so it is a person who fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, and imagines that he's on the level of being an angel, worthy of being visited by Eliyahu Navi, Elijah the prophet. The fasting is not the reason Elijah the prophet would appear to you. It's the change that you make over those 40 days and 40 nights that the fasting helps a person to achieve. But if when a person is finished fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, they attack the food just like a horse, then they remain the same horse that they were even before they were fasting. And so a person who thinks themselves of being holier than they actually are, and as we know, the Baal Shem Tov says, better a rasha that knows he's a rasha, better an evil person that knows he's an evil person, than a tzaddik who knows he's a tzaddik, than a righteous person that knows he's a righteous person. If you ever get to the point that you're truly a righteous person, you'll know that it only makes you more and more and more humble. So much so that you don't even share it with anyone. That even if you were to fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and Elijah the prophet didn't appear to you, it wouldn't even occur to you to ask a Rebbe, why not? And so may we merit, my sweetest friends, to grow in our Torah and mitzvot, not from a place of fasting, but from a place of embracing Gashmiut, embracing the physical world, and elevating it, which is the ultimate level, which is why Purim is higher than Yom Kippur. And may we merit that we get stronger and stronger in our Torah, in mitzvot, in Gemilut Chasadim, doing kindness for one another, and to be able to do it besimcha with joy, Be'ezat Hashem.
Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends. I'm so grateful to all of you for your support, financial support, emotional support, for leaving me comments on Spotify and on YouTube and sending me emails and messages. Please keep on sharing the podcast. Make sure you tell your friends about it and keep on listening. Have a beautiful Shabbos, my sweetest friends. And until next week, Dido Notach, we will be victorious. Bezat Hashem. Bezat Hashem.